0: so much appreciate it and thanks again to all of you who've helped in our love works month and for everything that you've done thank you as well for your prayers for uh, my daughter sophie who has been sick and i know there's been a lot of kids sick and uh, the distinction with her is that my wife is out of town and uh, we have a senior in high school at our house and then uh a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, and then Sophie is 23 months. And so she's a little bit younger than they are. And uh, the first 10 or 15 times that she threw up, we had a catastrophe around the house. <clears throat> Just trying to, you know, get it, get all the stuff washed. And uh, thank God that our baby shower a couple years ago, you guys gave us like 50 blankets because we needed them all. Like every single, one. we started using that, you know, just wrap her up, catch it. But um, she's doing a little better this morning. By last night, though, uh, it's interesting how things evolve so quickly in life. Last night, I had made her some macaroni and cheese because she was feeling a little bit, a little better, and she actually asked for mac and cheese. And so, for those of you who are considering that I made a bad parenting choice, she asked. Okay. Uh, when when a baby begs mac and cheese piece mac and cheese piece then you make mac and cheese that's just how it works and so i made the mac and cheese well she ate a bowl of it and so i thought this is going great and so i was cooking myself a, a grilled cheese sandwich and she walked she got off her bench and walked over in the kitchen and started throwing up all over So so cody my senior he started, Dad, what are we, we going to do? What are we going to do? I said, I'm cooking my sandwich. <laughs> I mean, things had evolved so much in 72 hours that we went from crisis mode to normalcy. Uh, just, just like that. Yeah, but she's doing better this morning. And I, I appreciate you guys praying for her and for all the kids around here who've been sick this last week. We are headed to Romans chapter 16 this morning. This month we have said that we should do love works because it's commanded, because it's Christ-like, and today we see because it's considerate. And so the final chapter of Romans, Romans 16, headed there for our reading, and please stand if you're physically able and we'll read there, and I'll read aloud the first seven verses in Romans 16. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Kentria, that you receive her, and the Lord has become a saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For as she hath been a succour of many, and of myself also, greet Priscilla and Aquila my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have from my life laid down their own necks unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epanatus, who is the first, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who have of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. And uh, this morning we're going to look at doing love works because it's considerate. Now, our life groups uh, saw a verse this morning. I'm going to read it to you in Hebrews 10.24. says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And that's the theme of our message this morning. And Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we could be in your house this morning. We thank you for each one who's here. We thank you for uh, all the boys and girls who are in Kids Start and Kids Life right now and and our faithful workers who are working with them. Pray that you would bless us in, in this room, that we would receive exactly the truth that you have for us. Help us to understand your word in a better way. We thank you in Jesus' name and amen. Thank you. maybe may be seated. Would you listen as Mrs. Dewey sing?
1: Look, all I be am Oh, am
0: Amen. Thank you, Brenda, for that lovely song. Well, we know some things about the Apostle Paul. From this chapter, even, we know that he realized that he was the recipient of Christ's love through the body of Christ, as she just sang about. And when Paul saw the light on the road to Damascus, he was Saul of Tarsus then, he was on a trip to imprison and kill members of the Christian faith. And you may remember, he sees this bright light, and he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And, and uh, Jesus uh, had a, an interaction with him, and the Bible says it was an in-person interaction. And Paul trusted in Jesus Christ, and he was told to go into the city and to meet a certain disciple named Ananias. And of course, Ananias saw in a vision, you're supposed to go and meet a guy named Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias said, Saul of who? Isn't this the guy that's killing us? He's the guy that wants to take us out. You want me to go meet him? And yet he went and touched his eyes and and he healed him. He baptized him. He gave him a, a start in the walk of faith. And then another guy came along named Barnabas. The Bible says his name means son of consolation. And Barnabas came along and mentored him and loved on him. In fact, went on a missionary journey with him. And Paul is one of the the main characters of the New Testament. In fact, uh, the Holy Spirit allowed him to write over half of the New Testament. And so he's a big person here in the Scripture. And yet we see from this chapter and we see from other passages in Scripture That Paul was all about reflecting glory to God and reflecting commendation, which is a biblical word, to the people who had helped him, the people who had befriended him, the people who had mentored him. So many people had a part in helping Paul become what God desired him to be. And I have to tell you, if you have matured in your faith at all, it's not because of you. It's because of Jesus Christ, His death on the cross, the Holy Spirit's working, and the body of believers who have surrounded you, who have built you up, who have prayed with you, who have been there for you through situations, and uh, who have just encouraged you by their own walk and been examples to you. And so as we go through this passage this morning, we're going to understand some practical things regarding the outflow of Christian love. And the notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us this morning. Here we have Paul, who has been helped by a great number of people, speaking in his letter to the Romans of some people that had made a difference in his life. Some of the people who were considerate of God's calling for themselves and for others. And so we get to verse number 1 and 2, and we meet our first candidate. Phoebe, a helper of many. Let's look at her life again, or her testimony here in verses 1 and 2. I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister. Have you ever commended someone to another person? Maybe you said, hey, I told your boss, I know we're hiring right now, and I've got this friend who would be excellent. I've got this friend who would fit perfectly in our situation. And sometimes that works out really well, and sometimes that doesn't work out really well. And so we kind of know that. But my brother-in-law is laughing. What are you laughing about, Dave? It's it's never happened. I've never said anything negative about you ever. Scout's honor, right? Um, But we commend people to each other. We say, hey, I want you to meet this guy. He is a blessing to me. He's my friend. I want you to meet this lady. Uh, she does my nails or my hair or whatever. I'm speaking as a lady here, okay? Just kind of getting both sides of the argument. Some of you are looking at me a little strangely right there. This is Phoebe. So I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. Now look at this. Which is a servant of the church. I love that phrase a servant of the church. We find out in the New Testament that to be a servant of Christ is to be a servant of the church. And this wasn't just a worldwide church. This wasn't a universal church. The Bible never speaks of that. This was the church which is at Kinshria. It was a local church, which is what we find in the New Testament. Now he says to the people at Rome that she receive her in the Lord as becometh saint's and that she assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a sucker. How many of you would like to be known as a sucker? right, that's just a great title. She has been a sucker. All I mean, is helper. She's been a helper of many. And uh, Paul is commending her now to this new church. He said she's been a helper of many. She's been a helper of myself Also. I want you to notice some things about Phoebe, a helper of many, and how this dear saint is described in the Scriptures. Here she is moving to Rome from the church at Kentria. This is a membership transfer that is detailed in the early church era. Okay, This is still how Baptist churches do this today, a transfer of letter or a statement of faith. There's... Ways that we have church membership. And Phoebe here is given a glowing recommendation by the Apostle Paul. I mean, goodness gracious, there was nobody who could give you a a more important recommendation at this point in time who was on earth than the Apostle Paul. And he gives her a personal recommendation to this church. And he said, Phoebe is given this glowing recommendation Because she's a servant to the body of Christ. And that's high praise. Because it agrees with what Jesus told us would be the sign of a true leader. One who makes himself or herself a servant of all. And we've seen that in the week we talked about because it's Christ-like. We said we're to be servants and love people because that's what Jesus did. It's who He was. That's who He wants us to be now as Paul recommends her to the church at Rome, he tells her new body of believers to help her in any way possible for her works, for her service to the Lord and the saints. I wonder today, how many of us would be called a helper of many? I wonder if that's the first thing somebody would think of us. Boy, that that guy right there, he's a helper of many. That way, right there, she's a helper of many. Or I uh, wonder if we would be thought of as a helper of self. That guy's really good at helping himself. Right? You ever been staying at somebody's house, you're a guest at somebody's house, and what do they always say? Help yourself. Right? Make yourself at home. Now, it takes a while to actually do that. Right, Like if you're going to somebody's house for dinner, you don't really, when they say help yourself, make yourself at home, you don't really just want to start opening cupboards and grab granola bars and stuff. You kind of feel like you maybe shouldn't do that. There's a kind of a different take on the help yourself. Now how many of you would not be bashful about that at all? This is exactly right. I knew he was going to raise his hand. <laughs> like he is the epitome of help yourself. He could go into any environment, grab stuff out of a cupboard and make sushi out of it. Right there. Even fruitcake. <laughs> we talked about that in our life group. Um, it's just a private life group joke. Sorry. You have to be a life group. By the way, our life groups are great. 9.45 Sunday mornings. There's one for every age and stage of life. Hope you can come. Yeah, there's some exciting things this spring with our life groups. But to be a helper of many, such a reputation, such A wonderful thing here in the New Testament. And it's what Jesus was. A helper of many. And yet, I would submit to you that we can't ever be a helper of many if we're not connected with anybody. We can't really be a helper of many if we isolate ourselves. And some people say, well, my personality is just that I don't like to be around people or I don't like to have, you know, interactions with people and, and everybody has a different personality. I get that. But there are ways that we can help each other. And it's not helping each other so that somebody will write a letter about us. She'd been doing it for a long time before this letter was written. It's not helping each other so that somebody will pat us on the back or so it would be recognized. It's seeing needs around us and reaching out. Because we are the body of Christ and we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And when we see that need to go ahead and just do it, that's what a sucker would do. That's a word I kind of want you to remember. It's an old English word. But if you think of the word sucker, it's even hard to say that word, really. You should practice a few times. And it's a tough one. But just to be a helper. Just to be a helper. Um, We used to, when our kids were little, we would say to the boys sometimes, what do you want to be when you grow up? And uh, Cody would say, oh, I want to be a builder guy. I don't know, who knows what that is, a builder guy. And uh, Dawson, we'd say, Dawson, what do you want to be? And he'd say, I want to be a helper. I want to be a helper. That's pretty good, isn't it? Just to be a, just want to be a helper. And uh, he's followed through on that sometimes. So that's good. We're, we're pleased with that. And uh, just keep working as a helper. Sucker, one of those two. Just meet in the middle somewhere. Sucker and helper, and put them together. This is what Phoebe was. Now we look at this next couple in verse number three: Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have laid, who have from my life laid down their own necks unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. That's quite a statement. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. They had a church in their own house. And all the churches around knew who they were and knew how God had used them in people's lives. And so we see Priscilla and Aquila. And in your notes, it's that they laid down their lives. They laid down their lives. This tent-making couple was very dear to Paul. In fact, they're found in his story several times in the New Testament. They're always going about doing good in the name of Jesus, even at great risk to themselves. And I've wondered about Priscilla and Aquila, and I really want to find out their backstory. Like when I get to heaven, say, how did you guys meet? And uh, you know, I kind of have this feeling that they ran into each other like at a charity event or something. And what's your name? I'm Priscilla. Oh, I'm Aquila. Oh, that rhymes. Right? And from that day on, they were like, whoa, they're a thing, Priscilla and Aquila. And they were stuck together and they never separated. In fact, in the Bible, anytime you see Pris- Priscilla, guess who else you see? Aquila. They're never mentioned without each other. They're always tied together in ministry. They're always a team. And we have people like that at Centennial. That man, if you see this guy, his wife's just going to be with him serving. Uh, Or if you see this teenager, he's going to have another friend who's always helping. And this teamwork thing is big. But they connected with the Apostle Paul. And they became part of his life story. And we're going to talk about that in just a second because it's so important. Here this couple was, though, to just give you a little more background on, on them and why Paul appreciated them so much. Paul lived during the reign of Nero. And for those of you who don't know Nero, he was likely the worst emperor in all of human history. Right? Worse than Hitler, worse than Mussolini. Miscell- Mussolini, worse than Saddam Hussein, he was as rotten as it gets. Um, he would burn a city down just to be able to have more room for his own garden and then blame it on the Christians. And then he took Christians and at night, this is gross, but he would take Christians and have their heads used as lampposts in the city. He would burn them. And during this environment, Paul is going about trying to do good at all of these Roman cities. And there is great danger everywhere they go. In fact, Paul was taken out of cities like Lystra and stoned to death. The Bible says he was stoned to death. And he got back up and went into the city. That would have been fun. Be a part of that. To see what happened there. So he goes back into the city. And people like Priscilla and Aquila would go with him on these trips. And in fact, they were all tent makers. They had a thing in common And they went into prisons and they went into Roman fortresses to minister with and to Paul. They walked past the guards of Nero to serve the Lord. They had some great spiritual courage. Most American Christians pack it up and walk away at the first sign of adversity. We don't have a lot of courageous Christians in our environments. Yeah, I believe God wants us to be courageous. In fact, the early Christians, you read Acts 3, 4, 5, constantly we're praying, God, give us boldness. God, give us boldness. And we're praying, God, take away the pain. God, take away the enemy. God, take away the trouble. And they're praying, God, give us boldness. They didn't say, God, take away the persecution. They didn't say, God, take away the adversity. They said, God... Grant us boldness. In fact, they said, Sovereign God, great God, give us boldness, give us boldness, give us boldness again and again and again. That's who Aquila and Priscilla were. They were willing to lay down their lives. Look over at 2 Timothy chapter 2. One of their traveling mates was a young man named Timothy. And Timothy would later become a great pastor, but Paul wrote him some letters when he was a young man, and look at the words here that are given in Second Timothy chapter two, verse number three. He says this thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He didn't say run away from hardness, he said endure hardness. Now look at chapter three, verse number eleven persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch at Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. That doesn't mean the Lord delivered me from the persecution. It means the Lord delivered me through the persecution. There's a difference. Sometimes we want God to deliver us from the trouble instead of God allowing us to be delivered through the trouble. I just read in my Bible reading this morning, in Isaiah 43. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. What does that mean? We're going to go through some tough times. We're going to go through the waters. We're going to go through the valley. But God's going to be with us the whole way. And so Paul says, he was with me. Now look at verse 12. And I want you to, if you're an underliner or a circler or a sucker, then you got some things in this verse. Verse number 12, look at this. Yea, and all. I circled that word because it it has some big meaning. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You can mark it down. It's right there. If you want to live godly in Jesus Christ, you're going to suffer persecution. In fact, James says we should rejoice at that thought because we get to be like Christ. Peter talks about the trial of our faith being much more precious than gold. It all corresponds together. Look at chapter 4. Same book, verse number 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions through the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Priscilla and Aquila, Timothy and Paul, served the Lord, and they all became a part of each other's story. Now the story that we know best in the New Testament, besides the story of Jesus, is the story of Paul. And they became a part of his story. That wasn't their goal, but that was the result. They became partners in a team that impacted the known world with the Gospel. So here's my question to you. Whose story are you part of today? Whose story are you part of today? Besides trying to write your own story. Besides trying to paint a rosier picture of you than is true. Right? Have you ever heard a guy say about uh, his girlfriend, this picture does it really tell how beautiful she is? Right? He loves her more than the picture. That's a good kind of love. Right? He thinks she's beautiful, even more beautiful than her picture. Right? It would be bad if the guy said this, you know what? That picture is prettier than she really is. (laughs) Right? Oh, that was a glamour shot shoot. Right? She's, she's not really that pretty. They just made her up and you know made her nice. We sometimes are so involved and try to make other people recognize our story and how good it is and how wonderful we are that we don't connect in other people's stories. Sometimes we try so hard to downplay our own weaknesses and faults, and we don't like any criticism geared toward us. And God wants us to be involved in the stories of others. God wants us to be a part of the big picture in Christ's kingdom. And to do that, we have to make connections that God can use to write the story. Romans 16 says that Priscilla and Aquila were part of more than one story. They had a church meeting in their house. They were known in all the churches of the Gentiles, They were influencing young men like Apeonatus, and uh, Acts 18 says Apollos. They were helping these people on their faith journeys. And this couple made a lasting impact through love works, and so we understand more about them. Now let's go back to Romans 16, and we're going to see our next candidate. And there's not a whole lot about her, but... Paul speaks of her here in Romans 16. And I want you to see his description in Romans 16.6. Greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. That's not a really long verse, is it? Greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. That's it. And so what can we discern about Mary's life? Well, we see this. This is the third thing in our message today. Mary went the extra mile for Christ. She went the extra mile for Christ. She wasn't just involved in the local church. She was extra involved. She bestowed not just labor, she bestowed much labor. She went the extra mile. She was more than a once a month attendee. She took her role in the body seriously. By ministering to those around her. We don't even know how she ministered. It could have been through prayer. It could have been through, uh, like Tabitha in the, in the book of Acts, through helping people with the physical needs, doing alms and sewing and helping people around the house. But whatever it was, she took her role in the body seriously. Do you know, our greatest ministry begins with those closest to us. Sometimes we think that, oh, I'm not really in ministry unless I'm involved in a worldwide mission trip. But I recommend that you do that once every two or three years if you can. But your greatest ministry is where you are every day. Your greatest ministry is at your house. Your greatest ministry is in the body of Christ. Your greatest ministry is at your workplace. Because God allowed you to be there so that you could make certain connections. So that you could influence people for Him. And I know that some people, you work in some difficult environments. And you would say, Pastor, I I just can't stand the darkness that's there. The language, the the innuendo, the jokes, the obscenities. You know, God may have put you there because He needs a light in that darkness. God may have put you there so that you can be the candle that burns and reflects who He is and reflects His glory. But Mary was so involved with the people around her. Have you ever heard the word synergy before? Synergy, I looked it up. Here's what it means. It means the interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations Organizations. suckers, helpers, and organizations. Two or more organizations, substances, or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. Wow. That's quite a word. So their combined effect, you check this out again, their combined effect is greater then there's separate effect. Synergy. Now your body works on synergy all the time. In fact, you can't do this and uh, have your bicep work unless this guy back here cooperates. Your tricep. All of your muscle groups, your skeletal system, the systems of your body, they all work in synergy. And when they don't, you have a Sophie incident. Right? Things aren't good, okay? Because they're not working together. They're upset with each other. Like, don't you take anything else in that mouth? I don't feel well down here. That's not synergy. But synergy in the body of Christ is so effective and it works so well. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Because you can try to go it alone and your love works. But you will have nearly the effect on this world that you could have if you would partner up with the body of Christ. We need connections in the local church. We need cooperation in the local church so we can get more done. I showed you a verse a few weeks ago in Ecclesiastes that says two are better than one. And so the synergy is just a biblical principle. That's all it is. Look at Ephesians 4. One of my favorite passages to look at I want you to start there with me at verse number 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him and to all things which is the head even Christ. Now look at verse 16. I want you to see the synergy in this from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edified of itself in love. Ephesians 4.16 describes for us cooperative love works. It describes for us how the body of Christ in our love works, how we work together, and how God makes it all happen. That which every joint supplyeth. Think about this. When you're a kid, and you're about three foot six inches high, which that's what I always was. It's still pretty close to that now. But uh, you went outside, and there's an apple tree, and it had a beautiful apple on it. but it's hanging out there and you couldn't climb the tree because it's a shaky branch. You know what you needed to get that apple? You needed another person who was about three foot six inches high. And if one of you could get on each other's back, the other person's shoulders, you could reach up and get that apple and maybe even an extra apple for your buddy. That's synergy. That's working together. And yet in the body of Christ when we isolate, when we don't work together, we don't accomplish what God wants us to do. And so, here's Mary, and we don't know much about her. It's an eight-word verse. Okay, It's not this huge summary of her. But we know this. She bestowed much labor. She went the extra mile. She cooperated with people around her. That's why Paul gave her this commendation. She was a dear saint to him. Let's look at one more set and we will be done this morning. Romans chapter 16. I talked earlier about Ananias and Barnabas, the spiritual mentors for Paul when he was young in the faith. But there were more than just those two who were mentors to Paul. There were a host of them. And in fact, Romans 16 verse 7 tells us of two more. Salute Andronicus at Junia, that's where we get the name Junior from, probably. I don't know. Junior? Maybe it's a woman's name. It ends in an A in Greek. And then maybe that's a woman. Um, Andronicus is a really neat baby name, though, if you're thinking of one for this year. <laughs> Andronicus and Junior. The twins. My kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. Now look at this. Who are of note among the apostles. And when the apostles get together, their names come up. Who also were in Christ before me. You see that last phrase? He says, you know what? These guys, Andronicus and Junia, they were in Christ before me. They helped me along. They mentored me. They befriended me. And their testimony, known by all of the early church leaders, including the apostles, their testimony was to uplift and encourage believers in following Christ. Yeah, so what a rundown this is. And we don't have time this morning. We could keep on going with Amplius and Urbane and Statius. And man, there's a whole host of them. You should read this chapter, it's pretty neat. you know, we started by talking about Phoebe's consideration of others. We talked about Priscilla and Aquila and the connection with those who needed help. Becoming part of someone else's story by allowing God to use you. You know, your story is so important. If Jesus is in your story. And He's the main character. And when you tell your story, here's what I know about your story, if it includes Jesus Christ, if you're a child of God, if you've been saved by grace. You know, when you tell your story... I've hardly any time ever in my life heard somebody tell my story. Well, I was out walking one day as a six-year-old and I realized there was a God and I realized that there was a Savior and I realized that I needed a, a help and, and uh, of course I never met any people. I was a hermit on a mountain and I've never heard that story. Okay? You know the story I always hear is? My Sunday school teacher. My water worker took me aside and showed me from the Bible how Jesus loved me and how I needed a Savior. My youth mentor took me aside. My friend at work told me that he had received Jesus Christ as a Savior and that I should check out what's going on. You know, in your story about Jesus, it seems like there's always another person who's a part of your story. You know why? Because God allowed that intersection to take place, and that person was faithful enough to our Savior to follow through. And all I'm asking you to do is be open to the idea that God wants you to be a part of somebody's story. God wants you to be the one who is spoken about by other believers. You say, well, I'm not doing it for recognition. Neither were these guys. But the apostles knew who they were because there was a story going on. And it's all part of his big story. So they made a connection. We talked about Mary's cooperation in the body. How the entire body has to work together. Andronicus and Junia give us the fulfillment of practical love. The completion of Christ's work in ourselves and those around us. And so those are the big four we talked about this morning. And I didn't even put them in your notes, but consideration, connection, cooperation, completion. Those are the four things that we discovered from this passage this morning. And it's still the Bible plan for love works in our lives. It's the way that Paul and his co-laborers did their work in the kingdom. They partnered together. Anytime Paul went on a missionary journey, he always took some people with him. Always. He was never alone. It wasn't because he was afraid of the dark. It's because he was mentoring people in the faith. And you should always have somebody that you're mentoring in the faith. You should always have somebody you're walking beside in the faith. And I really think you should always have somebody that you look to in the faith. When times get tough, and even if you're a mature believer... There are times where you say, boy, I really need some help on this one. I really need somebody to encourage me. And, uh, you know, my little sister Emily, she encouraged me over these last few days. She didn't even know she did, but she would send me emails and texts and say, how are you holding up? And I would always put a smiley face like, it's going great. You know, we just cleaned up our 17th pile for the day. Um. You know, just to know there's people out there thinking about you, praying for you, it's an encouragement. When you know that other people care about your well-being, that's encouraging. And that's what Paul's saying in Romans 16. You leave read through that list, he just keeps going through. Them. Hey, salute these guys. Boy, they were there for me. Hey, these guys, they're they're my fellow prisoners. Hey, tell this lady hi, she sure was special. She was a, a great person. She was a sucker, right? Look at this. It's so neat how the Apostle Paul took time to recognize and commend the people around him. And I think if we would do that more, that we would encourage each other. There's a passage in Jeremiah. Anytime I read it, it's so fascinating to me. It says, the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And the goldsmith encouraged him with the hammer. And then in their little village, they all had a role, they all had a job, they all had something they were supposed to do, but they helped each other and encouraged each other instead of tearing each other down. And if we're not careful in the body of Christ, anybody who doesn't fit our little cookie cutter mold of what we're supposed to be, they're out. That's not God's plan. God wants the carpenters to look around and say, hey, you goldsmiths over there, good on you. Keep it up. You people with the hammer, keep swinging. You suckers over there, keep working. We've got to encourage each other in the faith. have got to love each other in the Lord. Today as we close, I want to say a prayer for everybody who's in this room that we would encourage each other More. And if you think of somebody that you should encourage in the Lord today, somebody maybe that's been a blessing to you, you just haven't told them. Somebody that you've noticed doing something in ministry and you need to point it out to them. I hope you'll do it today. Don't rest on it. Don't wait on it. We forget. We get lazy. Tell them today. You know, if somebody's been part of your story and you've never told them, you've been part of my story of coming to Christ, you ought to tell them it would encourage them so much. It's not to give them a big head. It's to encourage them that their work in the Lord is not forgotten. Their work in the Lord is special to you. That you hold them in high regard as it says in Philippians 2. Those are things that we ought to do today. We'll do that as I pray and I close. But I would say this to you today. If you're here today and you you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and your story hasn't even been written because you've never received the Lord. You don't even maybe know what it means to receive the Lord. I hope you'll get with us after the service and tell us that boy, I need Jesus in my life. And We could show you from the Bible how you could do that this morning. Let's bow in prayer. As we bow together, if God puts a name on your heart right now, maybe in the, maybe one, two, three names of people that you know that you should encourage. Maybe people that are right in this room that you could just go right after this prayer and say, hey, I appreciate you. I haven't let you know how special you've been to me. Maybe it's somebody who's part of your story. Maybe it's somebody afterward that you need to text or email or call. God, would you work now today in our lives. Help us to be aware of the people around us who have helped to shape us and make us who we need to be. Boy, if the Apostle Paul realized this host of people that he needed to thank, certainly we have many that we need to thank, that we need to uphold, that we need to refresh, that we need to encourage. Father, if there are those here today without You, I pray that they would come and allow us to take the Word of God and show them how they could be saved. I pray that You would guide us from this place with Your blessings. You're such a good God. Help us to encourage one another this week. We thank You and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, tonight we have choir practice at 445. Our evening service is at 530. principles from 1 Peter. And I hope you'll be there. Got a lot of things coming up this spring that we're excited about. Stop by and see about the couples retreat if you haven't signed up yet. We'd love for you to go. It's March 6th and 7th down at the Red Lion Downtowner. See you, everybody. Love you.